It was extraordinary to me. <laughs> I, I can tell you as a confirmation, when Jesus spoke through Ariel ecstatically just now, I, I could share with you a confirmation because he had been talking to me through the last few songs about something specifically. And what he came and said through Ariel, I think, was was probably more of a confirmation for me, uh, certainly at least part of that. But I know in many hearts, when we talk about relationship with Jesus Christ, and we talk about getting close to him, and what does that mean? How do you do that? Do we need to know our Bible more? Be in our Bible. Yes. Do we need to set aside time for Him in our secret place and focus on Him only? Yes. Do we need to say yes to Him and and listen to what He tells us as far as our career or as far as our choices, choices in our life? Yes. All those things, yes. But not one of them's the key. The key, he said, as I was listening during worship, is what we're doing right then. It's where our hearts are at in that time of worship is where those doors begin to open to that relationship. Because there's a vulnerability that ensues when you lay your heart out for something. And that's, that's the case for anything. You know, you, you ever, you ever, you know, I know we have so many young people in here and so many, you know, unmarried young people, but as you build a relationship with somebody that you fall in love with and, and eventually gonna marry and all that stuff, if you don't begin placing your heart on a platter of vulnerability for them, you're never, ever gonna grow close like what you need to be. Ever. It's no different with the Lord. No different. And oftentimes we think that we can get to that place through knowledge. Well, I've got to learn my Bible more. I need to know my Bible. I need to have an answer. You know, good seed, in and out of seed. I, I need to know my Bible. I need to have that answer when the enemy comes at me. And that's true. That's not the key. The key is that heart of vulnerability where it can receive a stamp. Where it can receive the imprint of the Holy Spirit that mirrors the Father's character. See, that's exactly what Jesus did when He came to this earth and He walked as a man. He had to, the Bible says, learn obedience. What does that mean? didn't mean that he had to learn to eat all his food properly. Although he probably had learned that too. I don't know if he's like any kid. He probably didn't like the, I don't know, what are they? Mutton, I don't know. What what, what Jews don't like when they're kids? I don't know. For me, it was peas. And I love peas now, which is crazy. But peas were one of the few things the dog wouldn't eat. 
And, and as I would fake like I'm eating it and throw it under the table, I got away with everything until the peas. I, I don't know what it was. You would think it would have been lima beans. Although, <laughs> I won't even go down that rabbit hole. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that when you worship Him, there's a dynamic that happens. It's exactly what he talked about this morning corporately. There's a dynamic that happens. And that is literally you are displaying your heart to the Lord in complete vulnerability. And saying, Lord, I, I give you my heart. I give you my heart because I trust you with it. Because I know you won't let me down in it. But it, in fact, you'll lift me up. And, and the Bible says He meets us there. He meets us in that place of vulnerability. He meets us there. No matter what we're going through, church, individually or corporately, He will meet us there. Guaranteed. But He expects us to take the first step. The Bible says, when you step unto me, I will step unto you. Right? He, he said, we got to step first. And the way we do that is in that vulnerability. And just say, yes. That's why all the time you'll hear it in this church, in this culture. Give him your yes. Give him your yes. And, and the, the beautiful thing about cliches is that they become well known. The bad thing about cliches is they take on a new meaning. And this is one I don't want to take on a new meaning. Because when you say, give him your yes, that means give him your vulnerability. Give him your heart. Take away everything that is your impression of what you want. And trust in the fact that what he wants for you is better. Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough word right there. Why? Because I know what I want. I know what I need. I've lived almost 55 years of my life. You can't tell me what I need any more than what I know I need. Or know I want. Or know I like. See, that attitude gets you in trouble. Because, see, it's almost like Jesus standing there and says, Yeah, but you haven't tried this. So how do you know? My mom used to always say, You used to drive me insane. I was one of those picky little kids. We go through Jack in the Box, which they have on the West Coast. It's, it's kind of like McDonald's, except had a clown that comes out of a box. Okay, We'd go to Jack in the Box, and, and I'd be, I, I was just this, I just wanted plain. They, they even offered it on the menu, a big plain. It was literally a piece of meat, or maybe even a couple pieces of meat, I can't remember, and, and a bun. And there might have been cheese, or maybe a big plane with cheese. Can't remember. But it, nothing else. Oh, Lord, please, no, no onions. That would ruin my life. Just a big plane, and I, I was so picky, had to, had to have it just a certain way. And my mom would always be, well, well, you know, why don't you have this? Well, no, I don't like that. Well, have you ever tried it? What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I know that I don't want it. Because I could smell it. Now, some things I was right on. 
like lima beans. <laughs> to this day, I don't think they belong on this earth. I'm just saying, I think all you who like lima beans are thoroughly deceived. <laughs> but the point is, I didn't know. The point is that we're offered things all the time that Jesus just says, just try this. Well, I don't like that. I don't like that. That's, that's not who I am. That's not who I've been for 22 years. This long life that I've lived. Right? No, I'm a little older than 22. I was referring to our young people. Right? He wants you to try things that he gives. And the way you prepare your heart for that is worship. When you worship him, and I mean really worship him. I don't mean stand up and sing a few songs. It's a heart choice to worship. That heart choice is to say, I'm going to block out everything around me because you're more important, Lord. I want to be with you. So I give you this worship. I don't care what I look like. Ariel, forgive me, but Ariel embodies that when she plays the bass. Don't get mad at me. (laughs) I look at Ariel and I see the absolute joy of the Lord. Even though she might be a little offbeat on on her dancing. (laughs) But the joy of the Lord is so strong. Understand that he, 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 I'm looking at her and I'm just filled with joy this morning. I, I didn't know Jesus was going to come through her, but I knew something was going to happen because I saw it all over her face. What did I see over her face? I saw the yes on her face. She said to the Lord, yes, yes, I worship you. Sometimes I, I'm just so thankful that, that she learned the bass so quickly. Because she can play the songs without having to look down at her music. To be able to just be fully engaged. He wants us fully engaged, guys. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this is also for those online. He wants us fully engaged. He wants us not fully knowledgeable, but fully engaged. <coughs> you understand the knowledge comes from the engagement? But you'd think it'd just be the opposite of that, right? You'd think it'd be, well, I need to learn the concepts first, so then I can apply the concepts, and, and, and then, you know, I, I kind of got my category of God all figured out. I said, no, no, you got that wrong. You gotta just give me everything first and let me figure it out. Let me show you the knowledge you need because there is a layer of the Word of God. Understand this. And I'm gonna say it very carefully. There's a layer of the Word of God that is dangerous to the person who doesn't want to look at the truth of it. Because they just want to pull out the principles and apply it to their life 
just to have that category filled. Now, by the way, those people also don't know that. It's not a conscious choice saying, well, I'm not going to go deep in this. I'm not going to learn by my spirit. I'm going to learn by my head. It's not a, a conscious choice to do that. It's a choice of pride. It's a choice of control. It's a choice of wanting to know the pathway before it's displayed. It, it, honestly, it just all boils down to control. It really does. And God says, you got to give your control first. If you really want relationship with him, you got to give your control first. So I, I welcome everybody online. I know God, I, I mentioned this briefly last week, but God is building these pockets all over the world that are just like us. He's beginning to connect us. They're just like us. These people are people that just gave their hearts to the Lord. And he began to teach them. Just like the disciples. He began to teach. He began to pour in. He began to, to show layers of his word that they never knew were there. And it didn't come from going to seminary. It didn't come from sitting in a Bible class. It came from displaying that heart in worship and saying yes. And God said, okay, I see that you mean it. So let's go on this journey. I'm going to show you things in my word. And you're going to be taught. And they'll be revealed through the Holy Spirit like they were supposed to be in the first place. And you're not going to have to do this alone. You're going to be a part of a family that is doing this all together. See, those pockets are happening all over the world. And the Lord said, now it's time. He's going to start bringing them together. We've already had contact with some. But it's going to get more and more. Yeah, I had a dream. I always say last night, but really, I dream in the morning. Although I was up most of the night. But I had this dream that bothered me. And part of it bothered me because of what the dream was, but then the other part bothered me because I didn't understand fully. And I kept praying for the Lord to give me understanding. So I'm going to tell you about the dream. I will say, though, he gave me understanding. <laughs> and lo and behold, it just flows into what he has this morning. Who knew? <laughs> right? Isn't it funny how God works that way? So I had this dream. And we were, and it, it wasn't even a we. Like, I didn't recognize anybody in the dream. Not that, because it, it, was, it was ignition, but yet the people that I was watching and was with, I didn't recognize them. So it wasn't that you guys weren't there. In fact, that's part of what I didn't understand and I understood later 
which I'll explain in a minute. But but the, these people, I was with them, and, and we were in one of those tram cars. Kind of like if you go to Disney World and you ride in these like long train cars that are open, right? They're open-ended. You just hop out and hop in and drive slow and, you know, whenever you need to do it. Well, we're in this tram car, and I'm in the front car. I'm in the, uh, uh, I don't know, somewhere around the front car, but... Um, but we're just having a good time. We're laughing. We're, we're just sharing life. We're enjoying whatever. I don't recognize the scenery around because it was really kind of about each other. And, and in the particular dream, I, I don't know, there were probably 30, 40, 50 people, something like that. The number didn't matter. But we're having this good time, and all of a sudden... People jump out of the car, and they start doing this run around the car. So it it couldn't have been a long train of cars. It was maybe one or two cars, right? But they're running around, and and again, it was was fun. It was fun. It was almost like a race, but it wasn't a race. It it was just fun. Like you go to a picnic, and you, you just have fun. It's not competitive, but you have fun. And I remember sitting there thinking, I need to jump in on this. And so I jump in, realizing that they were a lap ahead of me. So okay, I start running faster to catch up, even though we're all in a circle. Right. I, I catch up, and, and we're just laughing. Again, I didn't know anybody, but, but we're just like, la- I mean, obviously there was a connection, though, even though I didn't know them. So we're laughing and we're running around and it's pretty sad. I think we went around like twice and we were tired. <laughs> okay. Clearly the Lord is saying we need to work out as a church. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, we get around twice and then we all jump back in our seats and we're all laughing and we're just kind of a little winded, I suppose. But it, but it's kind of like, oh, that was fun. And I was sitting in the second seat where the front seat was open to the front and, and basically open to the sides, whereas all the other seats are only open to the sides, if that makes sense. Okay. And I noticed in the front seat, there was a little girl. There might have been somebody else, I can't remember, but there was a little girl, I'm going to say maybe seven or eight years old, six or seven years old, somewhere around there. And then a baby next to her. And that baby might have been, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't walking yet. So I, I'm going to guess maybe a year or something like that. And the baby was sitting next to her. And the baby was literally right in front of me. I'm on the edge. The baby's on the edge but scooted in a little bit. And then the little girl next to her. And there might have been an adult there. I can't remember. But we're all laughing and we're just kind of enjoying Doing whatever, and I see something out of the corner of my eye as I'm looking forward, and then by the time I look, turn and look and see what it is, it was already up on this baby. And best I could describe it was a jaguar. It wasn't a lion. It wasn't the size of a lion, but it looked like the the spots like a jaguar, kind of like a cheetah, but not that small. I mean, Jaguar is really, really what it was. It was a big cat. It was up on this, this baby right away. 
and I didn't have time to react, it went and it grabbed the baby, and the little girl grabbed a hold and and tried to, to hit away this thing, but it wasn't afraid of her. And it grabbed the baby and took the baby, and turned and got about a step, and either didn't have a good hold on the baby, or something, but the baby dropped to the ground, and it was at that moment that I, I just put my foot out of the car to go after it, just praying I'd get there in time, and I woke up. It was disturbing, to say the least, because in reality, I didn't have time to get to that baby before it would have taken the baby. And so I, I, I was praying for the meaning of it. You know, I, I didn't know if, if you know, I, I knew that the, that the dream was about ignition. I knew that. I didn't understand why it was people I didn't know. I didn't understand why a baby was taken and I couldn't do a thing about it. It frustrated me that I woke up right then, and I couldn't have, like, at least tried something. So as I'm praying this morning, I was asking the Lord to reveal. And I, I had talked to Alexis about the dream, and I talked to Anissa about the dream. But during worship, the Lord gave me the meaning of the dream. And what it was, was this doesn't apply to ignition right now. That's why I didn't know the people. Or didn't shouldn't say I didn't know them, because in the dream I knew them. I just didn't recognize them right now. Because this is in the future for ignition. And the vulnerability of that child, see, I knew I knew one thing I knew right away is it wasn't about the baby. Like, well, we, we have to protect our babies. We've got to protect Uriah, right? We've got to protect Zeke, right? We've got to protect the little ones. It, it wasn't about that. I knew that right away coming out of the dream. But what the Lord laid on my heart was, it wasn't about being a baby, it was about being vulnerable. It was about being a target. It was about being in a place where the enemy can get them. And what really I struggled with, and this is what I struggled with in the dream, because as I'm looking right before the jaguar came, I'm looking and thinking, okay, why is this little girl in charge of this baby? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Why? And what the Lord showed me is that this is an application of leadership. Now, I've said this a thousand times. If you're in ignition at this stage, then you are called to be a leader in the stage to come. But what the Lord laid on my heart this morning is that isn't an automatic thing. That's not an auto. You may have the calling. But you've got to go through the process 
of relationship with him to take on that calling. Because see, a child or someone who, again, this is representative of relationship. Somebody who does not fully understand relationship certainly cannot be in charge of somebody who has just come into the family. And see, what he revealed to me this morning is we're going to have a great temptation for this to happen because of the growth that will happen so quickly. Well, we need this. We need that. We need that. We need that. We need more classes. You know, because the one thing is we want, as we get to be a big church, we want to say, stay small. So, so we need this small group connection, which is all true. Absolutely true. But not at the cost of exposing that baby. And this is on leadership, by the way, guys. This is on those, even right now, who are in leadership, in ignition. I'll, I'll say, I don't know if I've ever said this from the pulpit or not. Um, I mean, I've, I know I've said it to people, and I, I've certainly felt this from the beginning. Please understand that I will never ask somebody to be a leader, or I will never respond to somebody asking me if they can lead, if the Lord has not told me to do so. And I speak for all of the elders, I speak for all of the leadership of Ignition, not just the elders, the elders' wives, Wendy. That we will not bring into place somebody giving them influence, giving them leadership, if the Lord has not told us to do that. I don't care if we have a thousand people. It doesn't matter. Because, see, we cannot put somebody in charge of somebody else that still needs to grow themselves in that place. It's dangerous for them. And certainly dangerous for who they will not be able to protect. I want you to turn... Wow, it is 12.15 already? It's okay. Okay, yeah. We're going to keep going, and I don't leave for Nigeria until 9 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so we got time. <laughs> right? Actually, Michael, I checked, and our flight right now is running half an hour late. So, so, we'll, so, so we have an extra half an hour there, too. I... <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to go through some scripture here because I want to, what he's laid on my heart is really important. Turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're, we're just going to breeze through. The, this is actually the only scripture he gave me last night um, that I really, really knew where I was going to start with this. Um, but, but in all honesty, it's just, just a quick thought, but I want to read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 Acts chapter 2, verse 42, says this. And Father, I pray, Lord, 
that you send your Holy Spirit to to bring an understanding to those who are hungry. Bring an understanding, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves, these are all the people that had just come out of Pentecost and been saved out of Pentecost. 3,000 people, or 3,000 plus. Verse 42, and they, those people, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Be careful there. They didn't devote themselves to the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, the word of God. They devoted themselves to the word of God and the fellowship with each other. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. In other words, guys, these people were sold out. It became the most important thing to them. They all moved in together. Okay, now by the way, that's not the part that God needs you to get, like we're all going to move into this house here. Things were a little different different back then because they were under heavy persecution. But what the Lord wants you to get here is the idea behind it because it's no different now. They were sold out. They gave their yes in all capital letters. And continued it day after day. And said, we just want your will, God. And so we're going to fashion our lives in such a way that all obstacles are gone. They started to hear the words of the Lord and acted in obedience to those words. By the way, we have so many people that have done that here. It's extraordinary to me. Just recently, both Beth and Shannon quit their jobs because the Lord told them to. By the way, didn't tell them, hey, I got this other thing all lined up for you. You know, put in your resume here. You're going to just move on over. It's better money. We, we got you covered. Lord didn't say that. Lord said, I want you to do this because you need more time with me. Don't worry about the rest. I got it covered. But what I'm going to have you guys be a part of requires that of you. And we've had so many people make those choices, whether it be in career, whether it be in schooling, whether it be in relationships. Putting him first was the first thing. It was the greatest cost. That's what these people did. They said they, they just came together and everything was in one. They became family. You know, if your family is hurting, what do you do? You reach out to that. You help them. Now, in here in the States, it's like if if they're outside of your family, well, if they're a close enough friend, then I'll go help. But otherwise, you know what? I could get you in touch with some people that can help you. (laughs) It's not how it's supposed to be. See, we're a family. Jesus said, who is your... When they said, your your mother and your brothers and sisters are, are waiting, he said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Is it not these who are with me? 
Now, y'all can't get on my insurance, okay, just because we're brothers and sisters. Although, if you have better insurance, then I'd like to get on yours. No, but they had everything in common. They had their goals in common. What they wanted were together in common. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to go through three areas of Scripture, and and this is another one that I just want to touch on because I really want to nail the next one. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, we're actually going to read all the way down through 14, no, 15. So, verse 6, Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. See, He lays out right away, That relationship is different than salvation. When you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, that is just the beginning. And if you stop there, you've missed everything. Because he wants you to walk in him. Rooted, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. (laughs) He laid that on my heart when, when we were all in here worshiping, and Brooke said, just thank Him! (laughs) And we're all just shouting, thank you God! Thank you God! Abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Now, guys, he's talking about the church here. Okay, he's not talking about Make sure no one takes you captive and you're pulled back into the world again. That one's pretty obvious. He's talking about, see that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. What traditions were they fighting? The traditions of the Jews, of the law. Then he quantifies it by saying, according to the elemental spirits of the world. And not according to Christ. So immediately he is putting a label on this. That this is a spiritual connection. Not a human connection. It may feel like a human connection. You may feel like somebody is trying to take you astray. That is a physical human being. But understand it is an elemental spirit behind that physical human being. That's really trying to do it. And that is tough. I'll tell you what, guys, that's tough. It's a hard thing for a church to learn. I praise God because there was a shift last week when we walked in obedience. Was it because we did not love that person? No, it's because it wasn't even about that person. It was about the elemental spirits that were coming through and fighting with that person. Verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And that's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus was the, the exact imprint of the Father. It says in the Word of God, exact imprint of the Father. In his flesh, as he walked on this earth. Verse 10, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. By the way, understand it's in Him. When you are saved, you are placed in Jesus Christ. 
There's a big difference. Being placed in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ filling you. Or His Holy Spirit filling you. Big difference. And that difference has a name. That name is relationship. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism. In which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That just reminds me of the thought that the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us. And yet we don't release him. We don't release him to have control of every part of who we are. I think it's because we don't know. It has to be. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Now, what he's talking about here is twofold. First, he's talking about the sin that was canceled that required death. Because for all have sinned, right? And the penalty for that sin is death. So there's a layer of this forgiveness that covers that penalty of death. But then there's that second layer that is the ongoing forgiveness that is available to us when we go to him. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we don't sin. We do sin. We, we have this sinful nature. And when we sin, that hurts that relationship. In fact, if you don't have relationship with God, you're vulnerable to that sin. That's a scary place. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. By the way, who are the rulers and authorities? It's that spirit realm. It's that spirit realm. Last place I want you to go is 1 Corinthians 2. This... uh, This passage has just wrecked me this morning. Alexis and I were talking about it last night. And she brought it up last night. And and the Lord just kept telling me, I want you to look at this in the morning. And I kept thinking, well, God, she's preaching next week. I don't want to steal anything from her. And and he said, said, she listens to me, not you. He He said, if I have her preach on the same... The, the same exact thing. Don't you think I'll tell her something that needs to be added or, or different than I'll tell you? Amen. Yes, he will. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, by the way, this is a letter to the Corinthian church from Paul and 
the whole letter, it, first of all, understand, and we'll get into this a little bit, but, but Paul is writing to Christians. He is writing to those who are saved, who are sealed by the Holy Spirit, who know the Lord as Savior. Okay? It's important to keep that in mind as we go through this. Uh, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the angels for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, and, and by the way, this is out of Isaiah, what God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying, you cannot imagine what God has for those who, what, get saved, get that ticket to heaven? No. Those who love him. You want to figure out what that means? Go to 1 Corinthians 13. There's a cost to love. It costs Jesus everything. It will cost you everything. Love will cost you everything because it was supposed to. Because it costs God everything. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? By the way, if you ever wonder if Satan can read your mind, there you go. Satan can't read your mind. He could guess. And he could probably have a pretty good educated guess in instances. But he cannot read your mind. In fact, the only one who can is God. Not even the angels, the good angels, the two-thirds that stayed up. They can't read your mind either. Only God can read your mind. Uh, I'll start again. I forgot where I was. For who knows a person's thought except the person, except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except who? The spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, the Holy Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are what? Spiritual. Not to those who are saved. You could be saved and living in the world. You could be sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, and, and held for that day when, when you're standing before the beam seat of Christ and, and you don't have to be before the great white throne judgment, which is for the world. But then that's it. There was an invitation to the banquet, the wedding banquet, but you didn't put on the right attire. God talks about that. In fact, it, he's pretty rough about it. Because the master of the ceremony goes and says, why, 
Why are you wearing what you're wearing? Oh, I, I didn't have. Throw them out. Throw them out. That is one of the most misunderstood passages. And the understanding is in the fact that it's not talking about hell, guys. In fact, it's talking to Christians. It's talking about the difference that people will face as Christians in heaven. And and I, the intention is not to go down that rabbit hole, but I would encourage you, once we're done here today, go on into chapter 3 and 4. And it'll explain it to you. Because it's based on that relationship, what our fruits are in this world will decide our placement in the next. If you don't believe me, man, we did a whole series on this. Look it up on the podcast. I don't even remember the name of it. Listen to them all. But understand that those are in the spirit. That's the key here. What verse was I on? 13. Verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Why do you think I pray every time I get up here, and so does everybody else? Let it be God's words, not Greg's. Let it be God's words, not Alexis. Let it be God's words, not Peter's. Let it be God's word, not, not Collins. Not anybody, even the worship team. Let it be God's words. Why? Because then we're taught by the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ and who speaks for the Father. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. First of all, understand here. The natural man is not the unsaved person. This is not talking about an unsaved person. Why? Because unsaved people can't even possibly understand. Because they have not even the beginning of a connection. They don't have that Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 stamp or seal of the Holy Spirit that seals their life. They have no beginning point. It's like they're not even allowed in the race. Until they've accepted Jesus Christ, that's when they get their credentials. Yet you ever you ever see people? I was going to say you ever run in a marathon? I don't know how many here would have raised their hands, but <laughs> but you've you've all seen marathons where what they have these big numbers, you know, on on their on their chest and on their back. It's their registration number, right? They had to register to be able to even run the race. But then when they registered, they became part of a group of people that ran that race. That registration number had nothing to do with how well they were going to run. Oh, I got a low number. That means I'm going to do well. No, it has nothing to do with it. It only qualified them to do it. Do you understand? Your salvation, you accepting Jesus Christ into your heart only gives you the credentials to say, yes, Lord. That's it. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly... 
Yes. But get that. Get that. Because see, so many people fall back on their credentials of salvation and say, that's all I need. Why isn't my life going well? Lord, I'm yours. I'm your child. And he steps up and he says, yeah, but you're you're not even wearing the wedding garments. You're, You're not even prepared to be at this feast. And then there comes a point where he says, throw him out. I never knew him. Wow. Okay, that's tough. That's been a phrase that I've been dealing with for the last probably four or five weeks. I never knew them. Because see, in the Word of God, you assume that that is an announcement that they're not saved. And that's not the case. Guys, I can know Donald Trump and not have relationship with him. Okay, I could have I could vote for him, which which gets me into a place where I am putting my stamp of approval on what I believe God wants to do with him. And yet he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me from anybody. Does it mean I'm not engaged in what he's doing? No. It means I never built a relationship with him. See, it's no different with Jesus Christ. You can know him through salvation. He knows you because he created you. So what's he saying there when he says, I never knew him? Okay, clearly he can't be talking about knowing who we are. Because he created us. He's talking about, they never built relationship with me. Get them out of here because this is not where they belong. They don't belong at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Which the entire bride is invited to. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you're invited there. But to qualify to going to that feast, it requires, the Bible says, to put on those clothing, that clothing. Put on the wedding dress. I don't mean a wedding dress. I mean what was required for that feast. See, so relationship is what the church misses. And the natural person is a safe person that looks at it through natural lens. Not a spiritual lens, but a natural lens. Well, okay, but it's a church in a living room. Yeah, my natural lens says that that this something's wrong here because this isn't what it's supposed to look like. You know, you, you've you've got these these people that scream at the top of their lungs during worship, and you know that makes some people uncomfortable. So so it really shouldn't be that way because it really should make people feel comfortable when they come in. And by the way, what is up with everybody hugging? I mean, seriously. You don't even know these people and you're hugging. 
okay, there's something wrong there. Do you, do you understand that is a natural way to look at it? It's not a spiritual way to look at it. See, when you look at things from spiritual eyes, everything changes. I, I can tell you this transformation for me came about six, seven years ago when God started to show me his heart in loving people. I didn't love people. I thought I did. I loved who I wanted to love. And I tolerated everybody else. But in a good way, in a good Christian way. You know, I mean, I was a worship leader. I kind of have to love everybody. So I love you. See ya. <laughs> that was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. But seriously, though, it wasn't until God opened my heart and showed me from a spiritual lens how absolutely amazing everybody is. I can look at each and every one of you and be so in love with how much God loves you. And through a spiritual lens, he impresses that on my heart. And I have no choice but to love. It's, it's not even a choice. It's not even a desire not to choose. And it's all from that spiritual lens, not that natural man. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. We'll go back to that one. That's a little tough. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Wow. Anybody want to be Jesus' instructor? Yeah, me neither. But we have the mind of Christ. Now what it's saying there when it says he himself is to be judged by no one, as you continue on into chapter 3 and into 4, it, it talks about how Jesus will be your judge. Okay. When you build relationship with the Lord and you see things through a spiritual mind, the world that is of that natural mind or the bride that is still of that natural mind cannot judge you. Do not receive their judgment. Why? Because they're not looking at the evidence properly. They can't be. Because the Spirit of Christ, who does judge, is not in them. They've not built that relationship. And it doesn't mean they're not saved. Man, if I could just impress on you so much, there's such a difference between the two. Relationship and salvation. Really, it's sanctification and justification. But if the natural person then judges you, he says he will not accept that judgment because it doesn't come from Christ. So don't feel like somebody has a right to judge you that is not coming from a spiritual place. And if somebody speaks to you from a spiritual space, a spiritual place, 
that will, if you are also in the Spirit, then that will speak to you that that's not them, that is God. That's the Holy Spirit, and you want to get that. I want to be judged by that, because that's the only way that I grow. That's the only way that I know Christ's will. I want to just read the first verse, and I know we'll, we'll end here pretty quick. First verse of uh, chapter 3. And I, I read this to show that what we just talked about, this natural person versus this spiritually discerning person, they're both Christians. Verse 1, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh and infants in Christ. So he's showing the difference between those who are mature in Christ because they built relationship with him versus those who have not are infants in Christ. Does it mean that they don't have knowledge? No, they have a knowledge. They have a knowledge because they're embedded in this church. If you don't believe me, understand the Corinthian church. They had knowledge of Jesus Christ. How often do we see that in the bride today? Over most of the bride today. That they have a knowledge of who he is without a vulnerability of letting him do his will in their lives through relationship. Hmm. They're like infants in Christ. They're like that little baby in my dream. And little kids taking care of little babies. But they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to the enemy that can come and know when to strike. That, whatever it was, jaguar, lever, whatever it was, that thing knew when to strike when I couldn't get there. Came in so fast. And I couldn't get there in time. It knew when to strike. It knew how to strike. Guys, believe me, the devil knows what he's doing, and he's good at it. He's good at it because he's done it for thousands of years. But I'll tell you what he's not good at. He's not good at going to a bunch of people, Christians, that give their yes to the Lord, that build relationship with him, that cry out in worship, that would literally rock the mountains. He's not good at that. Why? Because <laughs> his own fear comes back on him. Do you know Satan knows? He knows our books. We had that come up in the courts this week. He knows our books. He knew them before we were ever born. Why do you think there are targets on people and why do you think, man, that person just, wow, what they have to go through. It's, it's weird. It's just weird. You know what? Get out of the natural mind. Get into the spiritual mind and recognize there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Because there is this war that we're in now for the readying of the bride that Satan's afraid. I'm telling you. I've told you guys the story of when the Lord took me to his chamber, to Satan's chamber. And it wasn't in the spirit, guys. It was, 
It was as physical as I am right here. And he wanted me to see Satan's eyes when God revealed me to him in his chamber. And he was scared. Wasn't, he wasn't scared of me. He could take me out like that if I didn't have Christ. He was afraid of Christ, who I gave my yes to, who works in me, who works in this church. Satan knows his time is short. If, if you don't think Satan knows this is the time for the readying of the bride, you're kidding yourself. He knows. We don't need to be in stealth about that. <laughs> he knows. He knows that his time is coming short. He knows that, that once that rapture happens, when the readying of the bride is done and he takes his bride home, he knows his, his countdown has begun. He knows that once the tribulation starts... He's got seven years. Don't, don't think he's only read the first part of the Bible. He knows the Bible. He knows it better than we do. You ever, you ever read a book and, or, or watch a video and, and you just want to get to the parts that's about you? I, I, oh, I just want to see when I came in here and see how stupid I looked. I don't know. I do that. Okay, don't you think Satan does that? Don't you think Satan opens the word of God and says, I want to see where I am in here. Why? Because he knows the authority of the Father. Don't, don't kid yourself. There is no equal challenge between Satan and Jesus Christ. There's no equal challenge. The only equal challenge is in your yes. That's it. You're the only one that equalizes that battle in your life. So understand Satan's scared. But churches like this, I don't even like to call us a church, this movement that's beginning is raising up people with relationship that will see through spiritual eyes that give their yes to the Lord and to recognize what's happening through a spiritual lens. That's what he wants in your life. Recognize your placement in the bride through a spiritual lens. By the way, don't just absorb everything you get. Be careful of that. Because see, the natural man is going to try and fill you with everything that he can fill you with that sounds wise, but isn't. That's a dangerous place to be. Because if you are open to everything, you will absorb anything. That means it pushes out that spiritual mind. Because in the spiritual mind, it has to be a purity of receiving it from only one place. And that's the Holy Spirit. In the natural man, it's receiving it from everything around you. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and praise you. And God, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. But God, we thank you most of all for this opportunity of relationship. That we don't have to 
have ears to hear through the natural man. Or eyes to see through the natural man. But that we can have ears to hear and eyes to see through your spiritual lens. Father, I know that in so many ways in this group here, it's preaching to the choir. But God, you're preparing us for when we're surrounded by those who don't. And that's coming very soon. So God, teach us that spiritual level of communication and of understanding so that we can be wise in protecting those who have just come in. Building them up. Not having to just continue to give them milk, but that they would be ready to receive meat. We thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know we went a little long this morning because of the communion and everything. I just... You know, we were talking in the ladies' class about um, hearing the voice of God. And... uh, what hinders it, and we didn't get to even go on that long, but when I just think about the power of the, this Romans 8 concept of walking in the Spirit, man, it changes. It just changes everything. It changes your priorities. And um, she won't mind that I pick on her, but Shannon was one of the ones that volunteered to open in prayer. Shannon and Deborah volunteered to open in prayer, and she, she said something very interesting And I'll just paraphrase because I don't remember word for word. But she said, thank you, God, that you changed me from the person that used to kind of struggle coming into church because the pressure from exposure and from conviction just made me kind of pull back. And, And now it's not like that. And I was thinking about that statement in light of what Greg preached. And, you know, every time you, you surrender a certain level of your life as a yes to God, there is a greater capacity for him to reveal his ultimate beautiful plan for you. Amen. And it changes your priorities. And if you flip that coin on the other side and look at it the other way, every time we hold on to something that we feel we have to hold on to because we have to be able to exist humanly, which is the greatest snare of the fowler, trap of the enemy, like our money, um, even our even things like our pain, that, that our pain, we, we, we hold on to it because we somehow have to find closure in things that have happened to us. Anything we hold on to hinders our yes and hinders his voice. And if we could really actually hear God's voice, and find out what is in our books and what he has for us, it would just, it changes everything. But when we hold on to, and it's not bad things, they're good things and sometimes needful things. When we hold on to our jobs, aspects of our jobs, when we hold on to our money, we need money. 
But when we hold it, and it's not placed in God's hands, when we hold our food, things that we need, but it becomes dysfunctional. Dysfunctional food issues is destroying a lot of America. Who knew that, that the very thing we need could destroy us? Isn't it interesting? It's like the spiritual eyes, the spiritual ability to see to because of the purpose that I have and what he wants me to do. It, it will change what you'll accept in a shift of, of your job or in a, in a class you take at school. Because see, when he is first, it's irrelevant what the demands are around you humanly. It, it becomes God. The very breath in my lungs is your breath. Because my spirit man is a new, new creature. And so whatever you give to me in this life or don't give to me, it's all yours anyway. And it just fundamentally changes us. And that's just an extraordinary thing. And it's a process. I mean, we all, it's a process. But how beautiful, how beautiful. Because if you can discern, I, I, I've been so in love with Second, First Corinthians 2 lately. That Those have been the verses that I've been pondering. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has for those who love you, love him. It is not the afterlife promise. That is the life hidden in Christ now promise for right now, for today, for this service, for this afternoon. Mm-hmm. I've been learning. We don't want to be indulgent with a desire to speak that takes more time in the services going longer. Because I tell you, there's still a part of my flesh that goes 1230, 1230, 1230, 1215, 1220. Okay, wrap it up, wrap it up. It's time to go. There's that religious spirit that takes over. And you don't want to be indulgent on the opposite side, but God is saying, go with my spirit every time. Yes. And because I exist, because my kingdom, and hello, Ignition was founded on seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. My kingdom of, uh, resides uh, uh, abides outside of time. I am, I am outside of time. And so anything you thought you needed to rush for doesn't pay when you try to control it in your flesh. That's right. I've had extraordinary accomplishments on days that things went way over when I followed the Spirit of God than when I rushed and controlled it. And then there were other obstacles. Same thing with my money. Every, every time I've held on to it, something else happens. God just proves to me time and time again, I can only help you with your finances when they are in my hands. Amen. Period. So just think about that. Because um, I can't imagine God has something for me that I couldn't even... It's so exceeding abundantly above all that I could even imagine to think that that's extraordinary. And it's all according to the power that worketh in me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Just say yes. Keep saying yes. Every yes leads to another revelation from God. Yeses build upon yeses, and then exponentially we are growing. We're coming up higher and higher and higher into this beautiful place that makes the Christian life extraordinary rather than boring and something we're suffering through to just feel good about our lives. That's not what it's about. It's not what God, God designed all this for. Praise God. Oh, listen to this message again. So, so, so important. Um, and I'm just going to give one quick announcement and uh, then whatever else you want to add.